Well, happy Father's Day to all of you men out there, and, uh, and this is what the staff does when I'm gone during the week, so just in case you want, and Ryan, man, just laughing at everything. <laughs> May, does he typically do that at home like that sometimes? Yeah, no, that's more of the soft side. And Dylan was like Mr. Grumpy Pants. What was up with that? I, I guess Kobe didn't sleep the night before or something. Yeah, it's kind of like, happy Father's Day, there you go, so... Uh, Anyhow, well, it's great to have you with us today. Great for you to be here. And uh, we're going to get right into the message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 7. Luke, chapter 7. I'm going to get there in just a moment. And then it's going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But today, the title of my message is uh, Greatest of All Time. And you hear that accolade, GOAT, given to, uh, especially in a lot of sports uh, uh, figures and athletes, like who's the greatest of all time? Like NHL, for me, it would be Wayne Gretzky. Maybe you have a different person, but um, uh, the NBA, is it, is it Michael Jordan or is it LeBron James? Well, of course, it's Michael Jordan. Amen. Can I get a witness in the house? I was having this conversation with some 20-somethings the other day, and they were like, no, it's LeBron. And I'm like, look whose logo is on LeBron's Laker jersey. Michael Jordan, I'm just saying, greatest of all time. The man's still making money, and he's been out of the league for a while. So anyhow, um, uh, greatest of all time in, a, in NFL. Uh, we're talking Packers here. It would definitely be Brett Favre over Aaron Rodgers. Anybody? Yeah? At least Favre shows up for camp. Amen. Is that too soon? Ooh, I said that. Okay. <laughs> Last service, they were not as friendly and kind as you are. I thought I was going to get voted out or a board member was going to come ask me to leave. So, um, I'm a huge Far fan. So, uh, but when you think about greatest of all times, you probably don't think about going to the Bible. But Jesus actually gives this accolade to a man named John the Baptist. I have read scripture, read it, read it, read it. Never really saw this until just recently when he was asked, Jesus gives John the Baptist the accolade of greatest of all time. Of any man born of a woman, John is the greatest what he says. So let's look at this and look at why John was the greatest of all time. Luke chapter 7, verse number 19 through 28. Luke chapter 7, verse 19 through 28. It says, the disciples of John, speaking of John the Baptist, reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of the disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, to Jesus, saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And when the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one or, or who is to come, or shall we look for another? Verse 21. And in that hour, he healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits. Uh, on many who were blind, he bestowed sight, and he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard, that the blind receive their sight, that the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John. What did, you, uh, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Speaking of John. A man shaken by the wind? Or a reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are, are in the king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written. He's quoting Isaiah here from the Old Testament. Behold, I send my messengers before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you that among those born of a woman, none is greater than John. 
Jesus gives this accolade. He gives this goat accolade, this greatest of all time to John. Now, again, I'm not, we know Jesus is the Messiah and we're following Jesus. I get that. But sometimes in Scripture, the reason why God gives us Old Testament, New Testament, all of these individuals is because we can identify with their strengths and their weaknesses. And if they can follow God, then we can follow the Lord. If, if, if they can live it out, then, then we can. It becomes inspirational to us. And it also shows us how God works in, in, in our lives. But John is given this, this, this title. John, God, John is given this by Jesus. And it's very, it's, it's very interesting to me. Now, let me stop right here and just pause and say, and part of my, my, my message prep, uh, I came across some writing on this subject of John the Baptist by Stuart Briscoe, the great pastor of Elmbrook Church. And so if you hear anything that I'm saying that you say, I think Stuart said that, it's because he did, okay? So I just want to let you know that. But, uh, but as I was preparing uh, my message and as I'm putting things together, I just want to give some, some props there because there's just, there, there's just some things that I see, some characteristics in John's life. I'm going to give you these five characteristics and we're going to unpack them. First of all is sincerity. Secondly, simplicity. Third, conviction. Fourth, vision. And lastly, vulnerability. So let's look at those. First of all, John has this characteristic of sincerity. Sincerity. That John's sincerity was affirmed by the crowds that came to hear him preach. When he spoke, people listened. Now, Matthew chapter 3, so the Gospels all record John the Baptist, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew chapter 3, verse 5 and, says, says, five and 6 says, Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region around the Jordan, speaking of the Jordan River, were going out to him, John the Baptist, and they were being baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. So if you've been to Israel, you know this. If you went with me the last time I was out of the country was January of 2020. That's when we took a, a trip uh, and uh, took out 5060 from here, from Life Church, and went to Israel. Uh, went to the, the, this whole area of Jerusalem and the Judean hillside and all of that. Uh, if you'd like to go in the fall of 2022, we've got another trip planned. About every other year we try to go. But it's interesting because to go from Jerusalem, the city, out to the Jordan River is quite a trek. And it, it's, 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 you're, you're packing one or two lunches to do this. I mean, you're, and, and there, there weren't, you know, there, there was not public transportation. There's no bus. There's no car. I mean, you're walking. So these people are walking from Jerusalem all the way out to the Judean hillside. They're going from the city out to the country. They're, they're, and they're, they're, there's nothing out there except for these small villages um, and just kind of these remote places, uh, you know, and, and, and there's some lakes and some things of that nature. But, but predominantly, this is, they have no reason to go out there. But yet they're going out to hear John preach. His sincerity, his message, his authenticity, the realness that he, he taught and he lived what he taught and he believed what he preached, and he practiced what he preached. There was a drawing of that to, from, from people. This, this is true not just in the first century, but in the 21st century. Anytime you hear someone speaking truth that's unvarnished, that's unapologetic, God's word, there's something that is 
attractive, that draws people. I mean, we, we've seen it We've seen it in the last, even in, I mean, it's all throughout history, but, but, but we, we've seen it with, with, with Whitfield, George Whitfield, and George Mueller, and, and, and with uh, John Wesley, and, and with, and with um, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, D.L. Moody, and, and in our lifetime, Billy Graham. I mean, they, they go to these stadiums, and they pack them out. Why? The message isn't soft. The message isn't easy. The, the, the message, there, there, there's no personal upside, except there is something about that person that is standing there that is preaching the, the, the unvarnished truth of God's word. There's a sincerity, and that sincerity, that realness, that authenticity is always attractive to people. And especially in our world where everybody is filtered and everybody's putting their best side on and everybody, it's kind of like the highlight reel on social media. When you come across someone who is real, who's sincere, who's honest about their strengths and their weaknesses, who's not trying to front, they're not trying to pose, they're not trying to put something up there, but there's just, there's a heart issue. There's a, there, there, there's, there, there's a passion. There's, there, there's this sincerity. It's attractive. And I would say to every man in this room, and every person, every woman in this room, there's something about sincerity that's attractive. If someone's insincere, you don't have time for it. If someone is a fake or a phony or a hypocrite, you, you, you have no time. But when you see someone who, who they're, they're, they're buying what they're selling, I want to hear your message. John's that kind of person. Greatest of all time. The second, uh, the second uh, characteristic that John has is Simplicity. Simplicity. If you go on in Matthew's gospel, verse, verse number four, uh, it's John's clothes were made of camel's hair and his, it had a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Now, did, we, did he eat more than locusts and wild honey? We don't know. If you've been to the Middle East, there's a lot of hummus. Going to get a witness and falafels. I don't know. Maybe he did, maybe I, we don't know. But this is, and there's nothing super spiritual about locusts and wild honey. Wild honey is really good, but I don't know about the locusts. But, 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 you know, and camel's hair is not exactly the GQ Esquire, you know, uh, uh, of the day. But he was a man of simple taste, much like Jesus. He wasn't concerned about fine clothes and luxuries of life. His simple approach to life was exhibited by a disciplined lifestyle, something worth heeding in these days of affluence and waste. Simple, his diet, locust and wild honey. Simple, his dress, a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt. Simple, his housing. The Bible said he lived in the wilderness. Simple, spiritual, he, his spirituality. He was a man of prayer and fasting. Simple, his message. He proclaimed that the kingdom of God was at hand. Repent and be baptized. Very simple, not complicated. I, I would say to, to all of us in this room that this is a virtue that probably we could most all be convicted by, myself included. Nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things have you. Because a lot of times in our world, we we try to, whether it's a degree on the wall or, or whether it's the car we drive or the home that we live in or a net worth or, or whatever it is that we're trying, the way we dress or the way we're trying to present an image. John wasn't concerned about living for anybody except for God himself. He truly lived life for the audience of one. And I just think about that, about how simple that would be. If I just got up every day of my life and I just tried to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, love my neighbors myself. Simple. It's not complicated. 
The, Jesus says that the entire scripture can be summed up in, in doing those two commands. To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, this word is fulfilled. How simple it is. But how complex we make it. And why do we love complexity? Because complexity has layers. And complexity has, has places where we can hide. And complexity can kind of throw the scent off. And it can kind of make people think that we're something that we're not. Or, or we can portray this or portray that. Or we can hide behind whatever mask that we want to. But John wasn't consumed with that. John didn't really care what anybody else thought. John was just going to be in a simple pursuit of God and what he called him to in his life. The third characteristic that John has is conviction. Conviction. His strong sense of conviction about things that he believed in. In his messages, he pulled no punches. Listen to how Jesus describes his messages in Luke's gospel, chapter 3, verse 3 through 9. And he, speaking of John, went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one, speaking of John, crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. And he said, therefore, to the crowd that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Can you imagine? These are the people that made the day's journey all the way from Jerusalem out to the hillside. And he welcomes it with not by, thank you for being here today. We're so glad you've chosen to worship at Life Church. We know you've got many wonderful options in the city of Milwaukee, but the fact that you're with us, we're honored to have you. That's how I welcome you. He's like, you brood of vipers. Seriously. If I did that, you know how many emails I would get? People, I, I don't feel fed here. I need to go somewhere else, right? It would be all of this. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, for we have Abraham as our father. I.e., you know, I was raised in church. I was here preaching before you got here, and I'll be here when you're over. Look what he says. For I tell you that God is able from these stones. You've been to the Jordan River. You remember there's stones all along the riverbed there. From these stones to raise up children, which means God doesn't need you or your kids or the next generation. God just chooses to bless you. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the tree, and every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Bottom line is if you repent and live right, and if you don't, your life's going to be taken from you and you're going to hell. That's what he tells them. And he begins with you brood of vipers and he ends with hell. I mean, what, what a sermon. I mean, seriously, let's just think about that for a minute. If I open today's message and all of a sudden we go from the funny video, do I go, hey, you brood of vipers, I've got something to tell you. God doesn't need you. He doesn't care about you. Matter of fact, if you're dead and gone, he could raise other people up that will worship him because you're sorry at worshiping them anyhow. And by the way, could you imagine? Some of you are going, whoa, he's really getting into this. No, could, could you imagine? Like, that's crazy. We read this so sanctified. You would be hacked. You would be gone so fast. People would be going on social media and giving us like one star rating because the pastor was mean. Oh, there's some people that say some really funny stuff on social media. It really makes me laugh. But anyhow, so that's just, that was what it would be. And, and they're insensitive and they don't care. And where's the love and where's the kindness and all of that. John doesn't give a rip. He has such conviction that he lives his life with such integrity and purity. He confronts sin straight on, and he calls people to accountability. I'm just saying, do you live with that level of conviction? Do I live with that level of conviction? 
I mean, Jesus calls him the greatest man to ever be born of a woman. Greatest of all time. And that's his message. And people go, well, Jesus is love, and he's got this lamb. And it's... No, 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 no. Jesus is the same one that goes into the temple courts, and he goes, I mean, just, just he just starts overthrowing tables. And he, there's nothing wrong with being angry, but in your anger, sin not. I mean, Jesus is not passive in any shape, form, or fashion. And he, he looks at John's way of going about, because John's trying to protect John's trying to point people to the way of Christ. He's the one, he's the forerunner to Jesus. They come to him and say, hey, maybe you'll be the Messiah. And he goes, no, I'm not the Messiah. There's one coming after me who I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. I will baptize you in water, but there's one that's coming after, after me that will baptize you in fire. Salvation. Conviction. We live in a day and age where what you believe and what this word says is under attack like never before in my lifetime. And I would say rather than getting mad at the world, hurling insults at the world, first of all, look at yourself and go, are you a person of conviction? Do you, do you live the life? I'm not saying are you perfect, but are you striving to live the life? And secondly, are you doing it in such a way that you live life for the audience of one? That's the Lord. And so for some of you, quit griping, go run for school board. Go run for the school board. You're tired of what they're teaching your kids? Go get involved. Amen. Don't, pre- don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Some of you, you might need to go to Madison and run as a, as, as a state senator or a representative and go in and begin to change. Some of you are upset with what you see on media. Maybe you need to go and you need to write the books and you need to write the scripts and you need to make a difference. Go into every man's world. Isn't that what the Bible says? Isn't that what Jesus says? That you are the salt of the world, that you're taste in a tasteless world, that you're the city, you're a light that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Do not hide your light. Go and shine. Don't curse the darkness light a candle, light a light, make a difference, speak truth, but don't back up, don't pull back, don't let the world shrink you like a pair of Levi 501s. Go out, live the life, live according to this word, and if they don't like you, okay. If they, now remember, John the Baptist lost his life for this. Woo, I don't know if I'm that fanatical. Conviction. I love being around people with Conviction. I love being around people who, man, this is it. And they don't care. Their face is set like flint. They're going to go. They're going to do every day. <laughs> they're almost militant about it. This is what it's all about. And I'm saying on this Father's Day, on this weekend, men, we should stand up with convictions. We should stand up for what this word believes. We should lean so heavily on this book that if it were to move, we should fall. And I understand we're not being persecuted but we are on the verge of being prosecuted for what's being said in this book. Because it's very quickly becoming, that's hate speech. That's exclusive language. That's bigotry or intolerance or whatever label that society wants to put on it. Again, I didn't write the book. I don't get editorial privilege. But I'll tell you this, this is it, man. And I lean my life so heavily on this word that if it were, I were to move, if it were to move, I would fall. Because it's not my word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this won't. Kings and kingdoms will rise and empires will come and go, but this word will remain. John knew that. 
And John lived with such conviction with his life. Next thing we see is he had vision. Vision. Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? So why did you take the trek from Jerusalem to the Judean countryside? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Jesus says that he was a prophet. And when you hear that word prophet in the 21st century, it sounds very mystical. But the word prophet, the, the word there would actually be the word seer. And that means a person who sees. A seer is a, is a visionary in essence. A seer has the ability to look past the immediate to the ultimate. A, a seer has the perspective given to them by God himself. A seer has the ability to see the meaning behind events that are taking place. It's a vision of possibilities. They, they look through the situation to see how it can ultimately glorify the Lord. They look past the exterior to discover the real issue. And if ever we need men to stand up and, and men and women of God to stand up and to raise up young men and women of God who are prophets, who are seers, who are visionaries, if you would, if you'd allow me that latitude, to be able to speak into what's happening beyond the present to the future, began to look beyond just, just what's happening here and began to see the meaning behind it, began to, to, to begin to show the possibilities of how we can navigate through the waters that we're in. We need it today. We need men who will stand behind pulpits and say, thus saith the word of the Lord, and this is what God's word says, and this is what it is. Because there has never been a more difficult time to pastor in the last 20 years than there is right now. I was on the phone yesterday. I had a, a guy who's a young pastor in, in Iowa on my heart. He pastors a church of, a, of 100 or 200 people, and just, he's just been on my heart. And I, I called him yesterday and reached out to him and just said, how are you doing? What's going on? He said, it's the most difficult year of my life. I have wanted to quit so many times. I have wanted, the only reason why I didn't is because we were having baby number two. And when my wife just said, can we just at least get through this and then we'll figure out what God wants. And so I'm here and I'm doing this. And I told him, I said, bro, I totally understand. The last 12 months have been the most difficult months that I've ever pastored in my life. I, I, I wanted about a month ago, I told Tammy, I'm just gonna go to Arkansas and become a hog farmer. And if you know me, that's not on my top 10 list of things that I want to do. It's just, you just want to just like get out of Dodge. Just this world has gone mad. It's gone crazy. What's going on? I don't recognize things. And it doesn't matter what way you turn, what you say, what you do, what you don't do. You know, if, if you say the wrong thing, you're going to get canceled. If you, but, but if you don't speak up, then, 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 then your silence is, it, it's just, it's, you, you can't win. But a visionary goes, no, 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 no. God has a plan. God has an ability. God's going to make a way. And I told him, I said, as a pastor, you stand in that gap in front of that congregation, no matter how big or how small, and you lead them to where God's leading them. And you speak the word of God, and you be truth, and you be hope, and you be vision. Because without vision, we die. I learned this a long time ago, raising money for missions. People don't respond to needs. People don't give money to needs. There's a lot of needs in the world. But people respond to vision. People respond to not what is, but what could be, what should be. Why don't we join together and change this? We can make a difference here. 
here's an opportunity for you to be able to give of your time or your talent or your treasure and change this. And by doing that, by speaking hope and life and, and, and vision into, into a place that may be dismal and dry, it, it, it changes things. And this is exactly what John does. John steps into that place and goes, look, here's what's about to happen. I'm not the Messiah. Do not look to me. Do not put your focus on me. But I'm telling you, there's one that's coming after me. Prepare your heart. That's why they were doing baptisms at that time. Because baptisms in the Old Testament was a ceremonial cleansing before the holy action that was about to happen. They were, John was preparing the way. Prepare your heart. Ceremonially cleanse yourself. Because Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The one that's been told and foretold for years beyond us is coming. And he will save you. He will change you. He will. I'm just the pre-game the pre show. I, I, I'm just the warm-up warm act. I, I, I'm, I'm not the headliner on this. His name is Jesus. He's coming after me. He's the one. But I'm telling you, prepare your heart. Get things right. Get things ready. John knew what was about to happen. John knew what was going on. John had vision. And because of that, with his sincerity and with his conviction, people were drawn to him. It's leadership. It's leadership. Godly leadership, stepping in the gap, not abdicating your role, not abdicating your place, not abdicating your calling, but stepping in the gap. We don't have enough young men and young women being called into vocational ministry to fill the pulpits in America. And the next 15 years with the migration and the retirement of older ministers leaving, we don't have enough people in the pipelines coming up. What's going to happen? God's going to raise up a generation. You watch this. You watch this. Oh, the enemy's trying to paint this bleak picture <laughs> that it's horrible and that it's bloomed despair and agony on me, it, that, it, that the sky is falling, that this is the end. Just hunker down, go to Arkansas and become a hog farmer. Amen. Don't go do that. And I'm just telling you, I was raised in Arkansas. So, so the, the, the point is, but, but what I'm telling you is, is God's going to begin to speak to another generation. God's going to begin to, listen to me, he's, he is, and he's, he's stirring hearts and lives of young men and young women. And the enemy right now, the enemy is on the prowl. And the enemy's trying to seek and destroy every kid he can. He's trying to take every young man or woman out. He's trying to infiltrate them with sex, drugs, rock and roll. I know that sounds old, but I'm just telling you, it's the same same deal. And he's trying to do this, but God is raising up a standard. God is raising up a group of people. God is raising this up. And, and, and this is exactly what's going to happen. And, 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 and I'm just saying, we need men and we need women with vision to speak the words of God over their children. We need men and women to speak the word of God and the vision of God in pulpits in America. We need men and women that will stand in their businesses and stand in the marketplace and declare this word is true. And if you don't like it, I didn't write it, but, but there there is only one name under heaven by which man can be saved. You can't get there through Buddha. You can't get there through Muhammad. You can't get there through, through you can't zen your way there. It's only one name and his name is Jesus. Conviction and if you don't like it, I'm sorry. If you want to put me in jail, that's okay. If you need to prosecute me because it's hate crime, it's exclusive speech, I did not write it. I'm a sinner that's been saved by the same grace that you have. But I'm going to stand in this gap. I'm going to speak the word of God. I'm going to see the things of God and I because here's the deal. I live for the audience of one. I don't live for man's applause. I don't live for a, a full room. I don't live for, I live for him. And if he's lifted high, he'll draw all men unto him. 
I know it's Father's Day, but I'm saying, men, step into that gap, be that visionary, be that leader. And the last thing that we see here is vulnerability. I love this, vulnerability. John was not perfect. In his imprisonment, after he had confronted Herod, and Matt, by the way, he's going to die in prison. He's going to be beheaded. He sits there in his cell, and the disciples keep visiting him every day and bringing reports about what Jesus is doing and saying. Now understand, the only way he gets fed in the first century is by the disciples bringing him food. The only way he gets water by them, he, they, there's no like, you got to take care of the prisoners. There's no welfare in prison, none of that. And he begins to doubt his calling. He begins to wonder if he'd been mistaken. So he asked his disciples, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Jesus, or of, of the Christ, he sent words by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In his doubt, John shows incredible vulnerability. I mean, think about this. The five most difficult statements for any man to make are this. I don't know. Ladies, don't say amen. I was wrong. I need help. I'm afraid. And I'm sorry. But what does John do? John's sitting there in that cell alone with his thoughts going, did I get this right? This is really not how I thought it would go down. This isn't really how I thought it would end. I've gone from the crowds and feeling like the words of God that I'm speaking are being affirmed by the baptisms and what's happening. I've gone from speaking into the lives of men and, 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 and the disciples that are around to now I'm alone in this cell with my thoughts. I'm dependent upon these disciples to, to come and to bring me food and to bring me water to sustain me for another day. I may not ever get out of here. Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Did, did, did I miss something? Did, did I misspeak? Did I say something wrong? Did I get it wrong? That's a lot of vulnerability. And what's interesting to me is that what happens in that moment is that Jesus, the Bible says he takes the next hour. We read it in Luke's gospel. And he opens blind eyes and he opens deaf ears. The lame he raises up. All types of sicknesses and disease he heals. And then he looks at John's disciples and he said, I want you to go and tell John what you've seen. That the lame have heard, that the lame have walked, that the deaf hear, that the blind see, that the dead are raised, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Why is that important? Because it's the fulfillment of what Isaiah said the Messiah would be. I'm him. I mean, before he reveals himself to anybody else, before he reveals himself to the disciples in that moment, he's revealing himself to John. I'm the one who fulfilled all of that just in the last hour. Go tell him. And when they leave to go tell John in his moment of vulnerability, that's when Jesus turns to the crowd and he begins to talk about a man of sincerity, a man of conviction, a man of vision. 
And it's in his doubt and in his vulnerability and after he asked the question that Jesus says, and oh, by the way, the greatest man to ever be born of a woman is John. He doesn't say that when, when the crowds are coming to him. He doesn't say that when, when he's baptizing them. He doesn't say that when he's looking at his, the throng of disciples. He doesn't say that about John. When, when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and the heavens open up and God only speaks audibly twice in Scripture in the New Testament. And, and, and it's in that moment where God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus doesn't say anything about John, about him being the greatest of all time. But it's in his weakness. It's in his vulnerability. It's in that moment where he sends his disciples that Jesus says he's the greatest. Isn't that just like the Lord? It's not in our strength. It's not in our power. It's not in our, man, it's not in our brute will. <laughs> it's in our brokenness that God goes to. There's greatness. It's true every time we see in Scripture. To the degree in which you're broken is the degree in which God uses you. To the people that God uses greatly, he breaks them greatly. Be careful what you ask the Lord for. God, I want you to be used greatly by you. I'm telling you, he's going to break you down before he builds you back up. So today, I, I want to end this Father's Day message and sermon and time with, uh, with this prayer. The band's going to make their way out and and uh, you, you'll know this, but this is um, something that's been just kind of ruminating over and over and over in my heart this whole week. Matter of fact, I, I was traveling this week and I was on the airplane and I had my, it was, we were, people were boarding the plane and I'm sitting there and I just, I'm, I'm writing and I'm just journaling some things down and I've got my headphones in and I, I really don't want to hear, you know, the mask thing again and, and here's where the emergency exit row is and, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So I just kind of tune it out and put on the noise canceling and, and this song has been on my playlist. It just keeps populating in my car and wherever. But it's the prayer that, that if you look in Numbers chapter six, it's called the priestly prayer blessing. It's a prayer that Aaron will pray over the nation of Israel according to the Levitical law. It's the prayer that every Orthodox Jewish father prayed on Friday night at the beginning of Sabbath this week and will pray again the next Friday night. May God make you like Sarah or Rebecca, Rachel or Leah, or may God make you like Ephraim or Manasseh. May the Holy One bless you and keep you. May the Holy One shine his light upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Holy One turn towards you and give you peace. So today, as the band makes their way out and we're here, what I want to do in this moment and in this time is this song, this, 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 this prayer, this this that we see recorded in scripture, Carrie Job and the band at Elevation in Charlotte, they came together and in 2020 wrote this song called The Blessing and you've, we've sung it here, but it's not something that we came up with. It's not something that just is new. This is Old Testament. This is the prayer that, that the high priest would pray over the nation of Israel. This is the prayer that every father would pray over their family and over their children every single week. And so today, what I want to do in just a couple minutes is the band makes their way out. I'm, I'm just simply going to ask you men in just a moment to, to stand. And we're going to sing this song. And I'm going to pray this and, and, and as a prayer blessing over you.
May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious towards you. And may he give you peace. And then, and then I, in a moment, as we sing that through a couple times, I'm gonna ask for your families and the people that are around you to stand up. And maybe, maybe your, your, your spouse or maybe you're single, that's fine. Maybe your spouse isn't here or maybe your kids aren't here or maybe they are, whatever. But if they are, I just want you as a dad to pray this over your family. And, and this is how I wanna end today. I, I wanna end with, with, with this. I, I just think on, on this day and on this weekend, I just think on this Father's Day, we, we need this probably as much as, as ever before, is this prayer of, of blessing, that God will bless and will keep, that God will, not just for this generation, but for thousands of generations to come, that God will continue to bless, God will continue to prosper, God will do what only God can do. That's my prayer for you today. So let's pray right now. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus. And I just ask for every single man that's here today, God, your blessing be upon them. Lord, that you would just open up the windows of heaven and bless them in such a way. God, that you will strengthen them. That you will, Lord, just as this, as this song says, it's, it's right from number six, Lord. That you will bless them, that you will keep them. You'll make your face shine upon them. You'll be gracious towards them and that you'll give them peace. And not just for them, but for their generation and generations to come. I just pray in this moment, Lord, we consecrate our hearts before you. Lord, to be men of conviction, to be men of vision, to be men of simplicity, to be men of sincerity, called according to your purpose in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. Would every man in this room, would you stand with me? Just stand all across this room. And we're gonna go into this song. Nando, go ahead and lead us. We're gonna go right into this song. And then I'm going to ask in just a moment for your families to stand with you. But I just want to pray this over you right now as Nando leads us in this song.